0: The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And and you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when, really, mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time and I think sometimes when you're starting out you kind of almost expect yourself to have, you know, super high standards from the start, you know, you want to do your best at the start absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favorite breakfast cereals.
1: My favorite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutra Grain.
0: Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops. Hello, and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. I'm super excited to bring you today's guest, who is in the form of Olivia Strong, MBE. Olivia is a freelance TV producer, but also founder of Run for Heroes and the brains behind one of the biggest lockdown challenges that I'm sure most of you got behind, but I'm not going to give all that away just yet. Olivia, how are you today? It's such a pleasure to have you on the show with us.
1: It's so lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me on Anna. And it's such a beautiful sunny day. So the birds are all
0: chirping and it's nice. (laughs) Yeah. It's always nicer doing podcasts and talking to people. Everyone seems in a brighter, kind of more sprightly mood when the weather is nice, so uh, we'll make the most of it. You mentioned to me before that you are in sunny London at the moment, but you go between here and Edinburgh. Is the weather always as nice in Edinburgh, or is it much more sunnier down down south?
1: <laughs> uh, well, the famous Scottish weather is, uh, yeah, ha- is famous for a reason, shall we say. <laughs> it is definitely... About ten degrees colder at all times. Occasionally, it goes up about fifteen degrees, and everybody gets their tops off. So, (laughs) so definitely sunnier down in London, but you know you can't beat that fresh fresh Scottish air. So,
0: yeah, and I was going to say it's a good job it's such a beautiful city as well. Like it makes up for it in a lot of other areas. So, yes, Edinburgh is one of my favorites. But before we kind of delve into finding out a lot more about you and a lot more about your story the most important question of today is as it is the cereal entrepreneur podcast what is your favorite breakfast cereal and why
1: definitely the most important question because it's, breakfast is possibly my favorite meal of the day cliche but it's got to be porridge does that count
0: no yeah definitely yeah we've had a lot wackier answers on this podcast than porridge <laughs> And do you have anything exciting with your porridge? Always some yogurt, peanut butter, and some
1: seeds, and banana. Basically every morning, or blueberries if I really want to splash out. <laughs> but but I honestly, I've, I've eaten it since I've been a wee girl, as they'd say in Scotland. Um, just kind of what I grew up with, and it, yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's delicious. It fills you up. You can you can mix up your flavors. You can eat it cold. <laughs> my granddad used to always have it with salt which was bizarre but you know if you're if you, if you like a salty breakfast then you can also add salt the options are limitless with porridge
0: I've never heard of salt in porridge that is that is definitely a new one um but I guess Scottish oats is like a big thing isn't it so porridge must be big up in Scotland <laughs> it is very popular but you know what the other day
1: last week I had Weetabix and I was like these are so underrated I've not had these for like years like <laughs> honestly Weetanix are maybe going to be like my next big thing so I'll <laughs> keep you <me> updated.
0: through <laughs> like phases of getting addicted to different different types of breakfast cereal it's definitely sort of thing that you forget about and then like remember and you're like this is so great like you said. Well, I feel like that was a great insight into you and yourself. So uh, thank you for that. And I, uh, I will I will give porridge with salt a good go. <laughs> My
1: granddad would be a very happy man. And he puts a lot of milk on it as well, milk and then some salt.
0: <laughs> oh, milk and salt. I didn't expect that at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's a
0: real true hardy
1: Scotsman.
0: <laughs> Probably has a glass of whiskey with it as well. <laughs> I am, I am partial to a bit of Scottish whiskey, so then it's sold sold to me. <laughs> well, now we know, obviously, all about your breakfast and your family breakfast preferences. Let's kind of get back to the, the whole story and what you have kind of done. I want to know more, but I want primarily, obviously, what you've done over the last three years. But let us start at the beginning. Let's not rush ahead now. Tell me a bit more about your background and all about yourself to maybe... Up- to when the pandemic started, because I think then things took a bit of a, a turn and a change, didn't they?
1: Yeah, that's that's a definitely a good way of explaining it. Um, so, well, I grew up in Edinburgh, as we know from the Forage stories, and then went to Leeds University and studied like politics and sociology, kind of one of those degrees that you do four contact hours a week and you know you have a good time and that's about as much as you learn but then moved um to London straight after that and got a job got lots of different work experience and whilst kind of working on the side doing like catering jobs and things to, to pay for um for these weeks spent in London I was trying to figure out like what to do and tried lots of different things like a fashion internship and then like a marketing one and advertising and just didn't love any of them and then got a work experience in a television production company and it was meant to be for a week and then a week turned into two weeks and then three weeks and four weeks and you know for anybody that's listening that uh, works in the creative industry it's kind of what is bad about it is that they do rely on work experience you have to be working so hard because you need to be working a part-time job what I was having to work a part-time job to be able to afford to do this work experience but I kept doing it for free because I loved it like I loved the fact that I could research into these topics and and be able to kind of see it coming to life so I yeah got a job in this work experience um, at a production company in London and it was on at the time Jeremy Corbyn's panorama it was a panorama originally about like the Labour's leadership election and then quickly it turned into this kind of like race to Jeremy Corbyn becoming Labour's leader so that lasted for about four months and it came out and I learned loads from it and at the end of it instead of paying me they said oh you've got a (laughs) you've got a credit as a researcher that was my first big step into television and from then I kind of continued working in London um, and built you know worked on dispatches and lots of current affairs documentaries and then moved into social more like human interest stories um, and longer form Dogs. So, i just before the pandemic, um, I was a producer, so I'd worked my way up, kind of um, as, as everybody else does in the industry. And I was working on a BBC Three and Hulu documentary about sexuality and gender. Uh, and I was working in central London. And I remember at the time, you know, we we were following all this COVID news happening, and I was like, I just got back from Australia visiting a best, my best friend been traveled through China I was like oh it seems pretty bad there like a couple of weeks later you know the world goes into lockdown and life changes so that was when kind of when my life also took a turning because I was living in a small flat in London um with you know my one of my best mates and my sister caught and she my sister lives in London as well and she called me and she was like i have been furloughed. I'm like not working because she has to be on set the whole time. And at, at the same time, my boss called me and was like, Really sorry to say this, Livia, but your work's going to be put down to a two day week. We'll keep you on. But you're not even, you won't even be able to get into the furlough scheme because you've not been self employed for long enough. And you were also not, you're not a pay staff. So there was this weird like pocket of people that didn't like, it was self-employed people that wouldn't get any grants from the government and also weren't getting put into the furlough scheme. So I was like, called my sister back. I was like crying my eyes out. And I was like, oh, I think I need to go back to Edinburgh because I don't have any work and I can't afford to pay my rent. And so we we literally quite literally that night packed up our bags so and headed up the road as quickly as we could um, and moved back in with the family. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. And I'm guessing this was like March 2020, like as it all was kicking off.
1: Yes, that was in at Mar- the end of March 2020, which um, seems like yesterday, but also so, so long ago. So yeah, I was suddenly back in, with my with my sister and, and my brother and my mum had, uh, she she had gone to go and help out my granddad, the one that eats porridge with the salt, up in St Andrews where, where, where he lives. And... It meant that my brother, and my sister, and I were all together for the first time since you know for the last ten years since we've been like eighteen or or younger actually because my sister you know is four years older than me so we were all together in the, <laughs> in the same house just cooking like lockdown meals having like my sister wasn't working I had done my two days a week and it got to Wednesday and I was like what am I gonna do I don't even know how long this is gonna last for <laughs> so. I was watching BBC News and I could see all these people doing stuff for charity and in the past like I've all during crisis times I've always wanted to raise money so when I was about eight years old uh, the tsunami hit and I spent about three weeks doing tombolas at the end of my street and you know so young just trying to like sell the cakes and and whatnot And it raised about three and a half thousand pounds at the time, which (laughs) I don't know what I was saying to these people to get my money from them, but (laughs) it was my first proper form of charity fundraising. And I went with my, like with the money to Oxfam and I said, I've raised this money and I want to give it. And they were so taken aback and they wrote a letter afterwards and said where the money had gone to. And it was such a sense of achievement, so young. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could actually, do more. So continued to do it throughout school, you know, did stuff, was always fundraising during school and then went to university and at university did the um university fashion show, um LRFS, which raised about twenty thousand pounds And then did the marathon for charity, which was again it was um for a charity close to my heart called Cordoma. And that raised about six thousand pounds, I think. So it was kind of always always been a thing. So when I was watching these news articles online on BBC news and things I was like I should really try and do something I don't know like I feel like I I feel like I should (laughs) so but that's all I thought about it um and I you know I was so worried about not being able to pay my bills because I stopped having a steady income um and the way that when I deal with stress and I try to like relax is by going on runs so on Friday I went on a run so this was like lockdown national lockdown had been on say Saturday and this was just say six days after um and I went on a run like lots of other people and um went around Arthur's seat in Edinburgh it was a beautiful it was actually no it was pouring rain I was about to say it was a beautiful Sunday. <laughs> but I know this because I took a picture at the top and it was like so misty in the background and I went and whilst I was almost halfway up I was like there's quite a lot of people out running, like way more than normal. And, you know, the streets pretty much were empty, but lots of people were running. And it just kind of came over me. And I thought, if we pl- applied the same marathon principles that you pay to go into a marathon and then you raise money, you know, could we pay to go on our daily form of exercise? So I kind of stopped halfway up and I was like, well, five kilometers is a really good, you know, distance to run. And five pounds is maybe kind of an okay amount of money to ask people and i called my mom and i was like i think i might start this she was like you're you always have these crazy ideas so yeah so i called my mom and i said i've got this idea i think i'm gonna ask people to run 5k donate five pounds and share it on, on social media and she was like okay you know great that's wonderful she was like remember to social distance because um at the time you know we were encouraged not really to go outside um and whatnot so i ran home text my friends saying like on my girls whatsapp group being like i think i want to start this um fundraiser that's going to ask people to run 5k and donate five pounds what do you think it should be called so there was all these different names flying around like five for the fearless five to save lives and somebody said run for heroes and immediately checked if it was available on instagram which it was and that is how run for heroes was born
0: that's incredible so when you first had this idea it was just like another charitable thing like you've done previously you never kind of imagined it was then going to turn into a business and I'm guessing you never really imagined it was going to spiral to the extent I mean I did it like I'm down in Ken down in Ashford and I did it all my friends were doing it everyone I knew was doing it all across the all across the country i'm guessing you never thought it was gonna get to that extent a million percent anna
1: and i'm really glad you did it that's great um yeah no so after i set up this instagram account my target was 500 pounds it was just to encourage my friends and family to run it wasn't it was not to go beyond that but the reason i thought that an Instagram account would be um, helpful the only reason was so that I could put my donation page somewhere so as soon as I did it I the next day so I, the next day so I set it up that evening and the next day I went out with my sister and ran 5k and afterwards my brother was like run donate share run donate share it doesn't really like it doesn't doesn't really work it doesn't rhyme and he was like and then we were like run donate nominate oh run donate nominate five which is such a key element of the campaign, because if you don't have the nomination, like nominations and they were just sharing, then it would have never made the money that it did. So, so yeah, we, so after I did this run, I changed it to run, donate, nominate, just before I then tagged basically my entire friendship group plus more randoms and Instagram I hadn't spoken to in 15 years, like school friends, (laughs) just tagged loads of people in it. And um, I said, if you're going out and run, Why don't you donate five pounds to run for Heroes? So, my original target was 500 pounds. I actually think by Saturday, so I launched it. I went Friday morning, I went on my run. Friday night, I set up the Instagram account. Saturday morning, my sister and I did our first run. And then that's when we nominated the first people. By Saturday night, it had reached 500 pounds. By Monday, we had reached 5,000 pounds. A week into that, it had raised 1 million. And exactly a month into it, it raised 5 million pounds. The NHS charities together so it grew and grew and grew you know I think by week I think Easter weekend was the biggest it just went from like 750,000 to like 4.5 million you know virgin money giving that I'd created on broke it didn't work people weren't able to donate you know my the followers went from zero which were just my friends and family to then like a thousand five thousand now it's fifty thousand it was it was crazy I've, I've never I feel so privileged to have seen a viral campaign in real time because that whole month you know messages were pinging into the other inbox and Instagram so quickly that you couldn't keep up with it and you were trying to reply to everybody and people were following you and people were interacting with this account and it was so cool like I look back on it and I just think that, that was one of the most incredible months to, to witness that type of thing whilst all this other chaos and um, was going on in, in the world. And I think that's what Ron Pierce was trying to do, was trying to channel, like, just focusing on the person doing something good rather than all the negatives that were happening. So the things that we were posting on our social account were the pictures of people doing the run, positive images you know out in the sunshine it was it was you know lovely weather which i think really really helped the campaign because people were all out and as soon as we started posting pictures people ultimately wanted to be seen on the instagram account so people were (laughs) tagging us and and we were getting celebrities tag us which were you know an amazing voice and a platform to be able to reach even more people and the press were really on board with it and things and you know early on in the campaign my two friends uh good friends from school India did took it upon herself to brand it all, and she kept she did really really happy colors, and she was doing milestones. So once we reached one million, she was putting out like very fun graphics, and two million and three million, and it kept people wanting to build it. They felt felt really like a community that people were really invested in, and and Alice, my friend, had been furloughed as well, so she she had this extra time, and she works in press, so she worked she wrote the press release for for it, and she pushed it out, and when she first sent me it as a draft I said oh don't put my name on it like I don't want to be part of it you know people don't need to know that it's me and she was like well actually people need to know it's run for heroes and if that you want them to know where to donate to and to know that it's run for heroes and to put like it's actual person it's not we're not a company like it's literally just three girls from Edinburgh who are doing this then you know it's it's going to push that community aspect um which was you know great advice from her so and without Indian Alice and my family, it would have never been able to grow arms and legs as it did.
0: It's such an incredible story. And like you say, it was something that everyone obviously needed at the time. It was just something that was to get people going out and like contributing to a good cause. And obviously the celebrities that took part, like you say, it was all organic and you didn't even know. Do you know how many people, I mean... I guess you might have an, an exact figure or a rough figure, but do you know how many people did participate in it during the COVID times and do the run, five, donate five, nominate five? And like, who are the celebrities? Like, give us some names.
1: <laughs> so the overall figures were around 1.5 million people went out and ran in the UK, which is incredible. Like, you know, you can never have an event that you could have 1.5 million people running at together, but you can do it virtually, which is the beauty of having virtual events. So, uh, yeah, one point five million people by like, I think because it, it went on till about June, July, the page was getting donations. And as for celebrities, it was people like Ellie Golding, Farah did it, the Beckhams like. I was like, do you think that means that I'm like one person away from <laughs> these celebrities? Yeah. No, my sister was like, Olivia they're tagging on for heroes. I was like, yeah, I know it's true. But somehow it got to them—the <laughs> power of social, I think. So, yeah, amazing. There was amazing actors taking part, lots of lots of sports people, and um, so that that really helped it kind of go from medium to like super big. Because as soon as you have celebrities and the press, ultimately want to be able to share your stories and things, which was really beneficial for, for the campaign.
0: So now we're out of our lockdowns. So we're out of this COVID times. Touch wood. You are taking. Run for Heroes forward as a charity you're continuing it obviously you're now like founder of Run for Heroes it's it's all exciting times so what is now the goal and the vision and what do you guys do with it now?
1: Yeah so after lockdown about six months after lockdown Run for Heroes was approached by Giving and a couple of other partners HelloFresh and Zipcar and offered kind of funding to put on another event so the following year we did uh, 5k May and that was we gave all the assets that charities would need to run their own virtual 5k event during the month of May. At the time we'd just been t- like brought out of lockdown you know everything was back up and back up so it wasn't for the world it was a great it was a, it was a great time but for Run for Heroes it meant that people weren't weren't wanting virtual events they were wanting real person events which is so fair enough that campaign raised about 180,000 pounds which at the time I was like that's a failure from 1.5 million but actually in hindsight now looking back on it last year this time last year I was like that's so much money as <laughs> loads of money for charities that really needed it at that time so you know we partnered with you know some incredible charities and and they pushed up their 5k on their own social channels but could brand it as their own campaign so it's just purely for their communities it was an incredible experience and you know I loved working with the brands and we've got some great brand partners and, and things like that. So after that we, we decided um, the natural step would be to turn Run for Heroes into a charity body of its own because we have this engaged community of supporters and and we had had people donate to us um, for, from 5k May. So now our charity mission is to kind of get Encourage more people into health and fitness and mass participation of sports, whilst raising money for health and well-being causes. So what we are doing right now, we've got a board of trustees. There's like seven of us all together, and each person has like very specific roles. You know, we've got people that head finance, um, legal side, press side, creative. So it's been a real learning journey to understand more about actually charity structure rather than you know a, a small running a small business which ultimately it was before but it's really exciting and it's uh, a new direction as well so to be able to continue to do to do good so our next step is to decide how we're exactly going to fund the money that we've raised last year in 2021 you know people had done marathons for us and crazy challenges like the 4448 challenge, challenge um, plus 5k and things we we now need to decide where we want to spend that money and that's just a conversation that's evolving (laughs) whilst at the same time people this year are still doing um, charity fundraisers for us so next week we've got an incredible guy who is going to be walking 250 kilometers wanting to do it in four days these extreme challenges. So it's really exciting. And I think, you know, I, we'd quite like to focus on mental health aspects as well, as well as trying to get young children into to sport, which all relates kind of this health and well-being elements and and knowing the importance of physical activity for our own mental well-being as well.
0: And you say there's sports. Is it it's not just running? Are you guys like going forward? Is there lots of different things that people can get involved with?
1: Yeah. So that was something big from 5K May. Um, it's a really good question because once Run Five to Eight Five Nominate Five campaign was um, finished, what we discovered from it is that people that didn't want to run adapted the challenge as as how best whatever best suited them. So, you know, they they rolled, they wheelchair,ed um, they cycled, they swam, and it made it apparent that you know even if you don't like running, you could still get involved in this challenge. So. During 5K May, we made that a very important aspect to be able to, to increase accessibility into the, the campaign. So now we very much focus on, even though it's Run for Heroes, we very much focus on just sport in general um, and physical activity of, of any kind
0: why do you think community is so important for people I mean obviously at the time it was something a lot of people needed you know we were locked down we were lonely and that's we'll see why well one of the reasons why you know everyone came together and everyone was so on board with it but people have stuck around and I and I feel I feel like you probably have got more people joining now that maybe hadn't in the first place so people are loving this community that you've created and are obviously supportive of what you're doing and why is that so important to people and, People seem to so on board as well, incorporating like sports and, you know, running into it. So, yeah, why do you think that is? Yeah,
1: it's, um, it's a good question because I think it's, community was always at the heart of everything Run for Heroes did. Like you said, it was such an important part of 2020. Like looking back in April, we, we all craved that so much. And we, we had community online, which was an experience that people hadn't really done so much in the past. And Run for Heroes, you know, tapped into that. They tapped into the communities of people, trying to encourage communities around the UK to to get out and put their exercise to good use. I think now, I mean, community is still so important and still at the heart of us. We have a very active online community because we've not managed to go into person events. Maybe in the future we'll look at um, in person events, but for now it's all all online. Run for Heroes community was. Amateur runners, I'd say. They, it wasn't people who are obsessed with travel or, or trying to find the fastest 5K time. They were people who had maybe, they are people who have taken up running in the past couple of years, who, you know, did couch to 5K and they they actively look for things like running tips or how to motivate themselves to go to the gym or to do sport. You know, why sports is important for our mental well-being. And that's always the content that we were wanting to share on Run for Heroes because it's important for us, but also important for us to spread that word to our community. So, yeah, it's a very active online community that are wanting yeah, advice and um, somewhere to go that are sl- surrounded online by like minded people
0: like them. You're literally describing me. Yeah, I started running during lockdown. I'm an amateur runner. Probably not amateur anymore. I mean, when they first joined two years ago. But yeah, I'm not, my, my 5k is never going to get much past below 27 and yeah, I'm okay with that. It's just, it's a steady pace. I'm not going to get any quicker, but I'm happy. <laughs> How quick is your 5k? How good are you at running? And
1: I'm the exact same. I'm, I'm an amateur runner. I mean, I don't like to push myself going too quickly. <laughs> I really like just like taking my time, switch, like going to my own mind and Figuring out like why i you know, my problems of the day or how I'm going to approach something going forward next week. So it's normally around 25 minutes. Occasionally I really push myself, sometimes 26, <laughs> sometimes it's 27, sometimes it's 23. You know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I've never been one to push myself to go really quickly. I, I've never been able to break 20, 20 minutes and never will. And I'm fine about that.
0: <laughs> no, really, but never. So, with all this going on, I believe it was earlier this year, you received an MBE, like January this year? Or was it January last year?
1: January this year, yeah. It was, it was meant to be, but obviously COVID meant that it was pushing things back.
0: So, where were you when you found out? I was in, uh, you know what, I found out two years ago.
1: <laughs> no, well, it was about a year and a half ago. It was October. 2020, and I got an email because they weren't doing posts. So I got this like confidential email, and I was like, This is definitely a stitch up. <laughs> what? I didn't even know this thing was possible. So, and then I had to keep it a secret until it came out in the press, and it came out in the press maybe December 2020. So it was about four months. That's the hardest secret ever, you know, to, to keep. And then I had to wait until they could put the events back on and that was in January 2022 so yeah it was um amazing.
0: Yeah I was gonna say how was the experience how did it feel?
1: Honestly it was so cool it, it I did it in Hollywood um, up, in, up in Edinburgh and it was Princess Anne who was so lovely she she had read up so much about the campaign and actually engaged in kind of Run for Heroes and how important it was um, as a athlete she is because she was like I used to go running around Arthur's seat when I was younger <laughs> that's so sweet so it was amazing and it was such a beautiful day and then I um, met my my mum got to come with me which was which was really special as well
0: oh amazing it's such an incredible achievement and, and as I say I've seen it all over social media and yeah it just seems that everyone is so proud of you and your achievements so it's it's incredible to see what you have done
1: Oh, that's so sweet. It's um, it's been an amazing journey to be honest so far. So just grateful to have kind of got to experience it and also get something awarded like the MB. It was, it was, it, yes, it was an idea that I came up with, but it was for all the people that that went out and ran and donated and nominated and continued to support us and the girls that have been working so hard behind the campaign. So it definitely felt like a shared award. And normally you get like to bring three people with you, but because of COVID, it was all just blocked out
0: so that's so annoying well the journey's obviously not over yet very much at the beginning so my final question to you which I know we've touched on a little bit but what does the future hold for Run for Heroes what is next what can we expect to see from you guys
1: yeah so well, we've been a bit quiet recently just because it's been so I've been trying to figure out the exact with the trustees because there's more people involved now there's more people that get their say into kind of the, the future of it so we'll be doing much more pushing our charity and, and and raising more money on that side and also trying to get funding. And I think my always my ambition was to put on an event for the community at one stage and continue to do partnerships with brands because it's something that worked really well for us. And it allows, you know, I think in the last campaign, we we got brands to kind of gift our community things and that's always really nice because they've supported us throughout the whole journey and will continue to so I'm really hoping to give more back to the community for people who are continuing to fundraise and doing amazing things so we shall see
0: there might also be a potential merchandise launch (laughs) soon. very exciting so basically if you're not already following run for heroes on instagram then you need to get involved with that
1: definitely if you want health tips and running tips then it's a a good platform to be able to to follow that
0: amazing well Olivia thank you so so much thank you so much for sharing your story with us but also thank you so much for the amazing work that you have done over these last few years it has been incredible and you've touched so many people like you say you've reached out create this massive community that means so much to everyone so it's it's such a pleasure to have had you on today
1: oh thank you so much Anna I've loved talking to you and I always love sharing the Run for Heroes story and community because it's
0: like my little baby. <laughs> <laughs> it is your little baby. You should be so proud of it because it's it's an incredible, incredible achievement. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. It's been lovely to chat. The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like I've so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this and then the pandemic happened and I didn't do this. And, and you spend so much time like second guessing yourself when really mistakes will happen. Like we're human. It really does improve over time, and I think sometimes when you're starting out, you kind of almost expect yourself to have you know super high standards from the start. You know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals. My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called Mutra Grain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa
1: Pops.